Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show, coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska, where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. Hey, thanks, everybody. Uh, it's Suzanne Downing here with Must Read Alaska, and welcome aboard the Must Read Alaska show, coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. It's happy hour. It's Monday. It is the middle of February. It's, um, you know, it's getting lighter outside. And last night I was driving back from the Truckers Rally up in Eagle River, and it was like 530, and it was still light outside. I didn't have to have your headlights on even. It was great. Hey, it's great to have you on our show, uh, with us on our show today. And I want to welcome John Quick, our co-host. John, are you on the other line there in Nikiski? Can you? I'm hear me? here, living the dream. Yeah, yeah the, we're uh, we're kind of talking through the paper cup and the string method. You're you're out there in the wilderness. I know. How's it, how's it going? Going good. I'm uh, climbed a tree and I've pointed my cell phone to the nearest cell phone tower. So hopefully I'll have a good signal the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. We can hear you. Even though, you know, you start, your teeth are starting to chatter a little bit. So what's going on in politics over there on the Kenai Peninsula this week? Well, we are still living the freedom over here on the Kenai Peninsula borough. One of the big things that happened this last weekend was uh, the great mayor, Charlie Pierce, had his uh, governor kickoff event this weekend at his house. And the infamous Vonnie Pierce hosted it. She, when she makes dinner, she doesn't mess around. It's like she doesn't mess around. That woman, she knows how to cook. She can cook the biggest, best bread that you've ever seen in on the peninsula. And, she, and I wasn't there. Unfortunately, I wasn't there. But I've heard nothing but awesome things about it. There Sounds were a like lot of people there. Lots of people came out. Even folks that you know were Dunleavy supporters that wanted to see what Charlie was all about. Um, if you look on Charlie's Facebook page, uh, there's a picture of uh, Tuckerman was even there uh, oh at the at the uh, at the event. And, you know, the thing that I think that uh, people resonate with Charlie is that he is uh, a guy that says what people are thinking and he's not afraid to say it. And so we've seen here on the peninsula, our district uh, has endorsed him. A Republicans Women's Club here on the peninsula has also endorsed him, and um, we'll probably see some other folks endorse him here down the road. Uh, but I think you know you can't go wrong with a campaign kickoff event at your house with a bunch of people that are, you know, gung ho for your campaign. And it sounded like it, there was a lot of energy in the room, and that it was a successful event. Yeah, and uh, you know, Charlie is a really kind of a, a great leader. He he says what's on his mind. He he speaks plainly. He's he doesn't mess around. You kind of always know where you stand with him. You may disagree with him, but you no, know, he's he's a he's a really good guy. And so it's um remember everybody with this ranked choice voting, we do probably have to have another Republican on the ballot that is a, a viable Republican. And we're gonna go into to August with probably 10 to 15 people on the ballot for governor only four will emerge and they'll go to the november ballot and at that point we're going to have to rank them in the order that we prefer now some of us will stop at one some of us will stop at two there is no way in heck you can ever get me to even put bill walker as a third choice because i think he was like one who was the worst governor alaska's ever had 
And I'm, I would never vote for Les Garrett either for governor. Why would I do that? Why would he, I even put him as number four? I, I'm, I'm just not into it. But I, I might vote number one, number two. And so some people might vote Charlie Pierce, number one. Some people might vote for Mike Dunleavy's number one. And they may they may share a lot of votes back and forth. But we are going to have to be um, in a ranked choice environment. So I guess we have to kind of get used to that. And it's probably be best if these guys didn't beat up each other too much. Now, I know that Chris Kirka is also running for governor. He's from the Valley. He's from sort of uh, Dunleavy, heart of Dunleavy country. And he's he's beating up Dunleavy as hard as he can. So he's trying yeah. to hand this election to Bill Walker because that's his approach. Yeah, but, I don't know uh, if I don't agree, you know, with that. I'm, I'm with you on that, Suzanne. I think, uh, you know, save that stuff for the for the general. I don't think it's a great time to be uh, putting uh, if your main message is uh, uh, negative. I don't think people resonate with that. Well, if your main message is this person needs to be fired, this person needs to be fired or or this person's done a thousand things wrong. I think now's the time to talk to po- folks about what you stand for and what you think you can accomplish. And so I think I, I think we'll see that with Dunleavy and Pierce is that's probably what they'll focus on. And with rank choice, so. you know, with rank choice voting, it's going to be nuts because, you know, folks can, uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you can Google Maine 2019 elections. And the first thing that will pop up in the Google images is a picture of the 2019 race in Maine. I believe it was one of their first statewide races with ranked choice voting. And the guy that got the most amount of votes ended up losing because of the ranked choice voting algorithm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's plain as day right there, New York Times, the guy with the most amount of vo- votes lost to yeah. a Democrat because the Democrat figured out a way to get more second, third, and fourth place votes. Oh, and yeah. So there's, there's going to be a strategy here for folks if you're running. There's a strategy behind how do I get second place votes? How do I get third place Mm -hmm. votes? How do I get fourth place votes? And uh, I don't know if anybody's really thought through how to best do that correctly. I don't think they're thinking it through. All these guys who are running are thinking at old school. They're all thinking it's binary. Vote for me or vote for the other guy. That's not how it's going to be. And you've got to work your entire strategy differently. In other words, yeah, you want those third place votes. Of course you do. And you want those second place votes. And so you're going to have to talk to some of your different constituencies in different ways. You're going to have to really segment people, understand your data and who you're talking to and approach them in different ways. And you don't approach uh, doctors on the hillside in Anchorage the same way you approach a long haul truck driver going up the, you know, to Prudhoe Bay, you, you have to, you have to kind of approach them differently. May, the, the message may not be different. It may be still economic freedom and lower regulation, but you don't use the same language. You don't use the same Im- imagery to connect with them. They just don't. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. Anything else going on with the Kenai? Not much, but I have a question in my mind that's been burning in all of the folks and the hearts and the minds of all oh. Anchorage. Oh. And that is Suzanne. What? Who is Tom Scott? Oh, no. I can't believe you went there. All right. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. The answer is, it was like, nobody knows. I mean, Chris Constant knows. I mean, you know, Chris Constant, Tom Scott's a little bit of a sort of a play on words there, I think. Uh, well, so there's a big scandal brewing down there in the, in the assembly. And it is involving a couple of people, probably Chris Constant, 
and Felix Rivera, most of all, maybe a little sprinkle of Forrest Dunbar in there. Um, when, what they've got going on is uh, they are protecting documents, 591 pages of documents requested by a member of the public under a public records request. And if uh, we've heard a lot from this assembly about having transparent government and transparent government means you, you release those documents. And so unless they're, unless they're deliberative or they impact a pending contract, like if you're going to buy a hotel or property, you know, you might not be able to see something that's in the process, but afterwards we get to see that. So they, so Russell Biggs has asked for all kinds of communications between the assembly members and various people, including, I don't know how he got this name, Tom Sconce, Tom Sconce at tcs907 at gmail.com. And turns out this Tom Scott is just a fictitious person. It doesn't, he doesn't exist. But they've been writing to him. They've got some communications with him. And they've got stuff they're saying to him that they don't want us to know about. Probably because that person is related to either the Blue Alaskan, which is a leftist blog run by some sort of city hall insiders, or maybe the Anchorage Press. We're not really sure which one it belongs to because those two work so closely together. The Anchorage Press, the Blue Alaska, kind of meld as one in, in many instances. So we're not sure who Tom Sconce is, but we sure do know that the assembly does not want those documents out. And John, um, they redacted uh, 591 pages in this public records request, basically more than a ream of paper that they're giving to back to Russell Biggs that are just blank. And by, by blank, I mean many of these pages don't have a to or a from on them. They don't have a date. They don't have a subject matter. And they don't have a page number. They're just like a virgin piece of paper that you could run through a copier. And what's really interesting, John, is that they, they didn't even give a, a log to Russell Biggs saying, here's why we redacted it. And we're using this particular privilege for redacting it. They, they just gave him his paper they're, back. They're using the, oh crap, we are super scared privilege. And we don't think this is going to be emotionally That's stable for us to keep these uh, emails in here. So we're going to redact them. <laughs> That's exactly right. Now, a lot of the emails weren't to Tom Scott. So we don't know how many are to Tom Scott. So we know some of them probably are. And Tom Scott's, we believe, is probably, like I said, it's a member of the media that's an, a, a super friendly to them. And it's probably um, an, a city hall insider or former city hall insider, like a former city manager, Bill Falsey and his wife, or maybe a, a sort of an Ethan Berkowitz type person. And um, but there were also emails to another person named Casey Pick. And Casey Pick works for the Trevor Project in Washington, D.C. It's an advocacy group that does advocacy for people in government, especially gay, lesbian members of government who are trying to uh, change laws for transgenders, like they did here. Um, you know, they did the bathroom law here where boys can use girls' bathrooms if they want to. If they, all they have to do is put on a dress and they can go on in the, in the girls' bathroom. And, and also for, for other things in terms of gay and lesbian issues such as the conversion therapy ban that they passed in 2021. It was pretty controversial because what it does is basically tells therapists that if a kid comes in and they've got a little bit of confusion about their identity, like, I'm not sure, maybe I like boys, maybe I like girls. 
that therapist has to presume that they are gay or lesbian or whatever, and they cannot work with them at all to like say, well, maybe you're not, maybe you're just experimenting. They can't do that. They can't turn them in any way. They have to completely accept whatever sexual identity they feel like, you know, I'm attracted to my, my stuffed animal, whatever it is, you can't work with that because that's that child's sexual identity. And you can't use any kind of conversion therapy techniques or talk them through it in any way. So there's a ban on that conversion therapy now, and they use the Trevor project. They use the attorney named Casey pick apparently to have um, their communication with, to, to craft their law that bans conversion therapy. Now, Casey Pick is not a lawyer who's licensed to practice in the state of Alaska. And Casey Pick is not even on contract with the assembly. And yet they are using attorney-client privilege to protect all of their communications with Casey Pick. And that is not going to fly, no. John. That's not going to work. This is, if, if, uh, uh, if there's a miracle happening and you happen to be an assembly member who's listening to this Anchorage assembly member, people will get to the bottom of this. We will find out who Tom Sconce is. We will find out what was in those redacted emails because they're most likely not executive privilege or uh, attorney client privilege. And if you are emailing back and forth with somebody of the media, great. I, I don't really care. It doesn't bother me. But when somebody asks for that information, that needs to be public information. And if assembly members had access to Tom Sconce's email, um, that's not going to be great. If two or three of those folks were in there having access to that email, which was a Gmail, which was not on you know city property, and they were trying to do business from that email, this is all going to be very, very bad for folks that were involved in this. And the easiest way if there's nothing, you know, frivolous that's going on is just to release all that information. That's the well, easiest way to get rid of this. If you really think that there's nothing behind this, Constance, Dunbar, or whoever that's involved in this, just release it. Release the information. Do the things that you always talk about of being transparent and truthful and all that. You talk about all that kind of stuff all the time. You sit there and you get on your 17 podiums and you know, speak to folks like they're a bunch of idiots and you tell them, be truthful, be transparent and all this kind of stuff. And then when it's your time to do it, you sit back and you put your tail between your legs and you play the victim and you're not truthful and you're not transparent. So now's the time to put the money where your mouth is and be transparent for once in your life on the assembly chamber floor. Well, exactly right. And, and you know, you, you recall during one of the recent elections, uh, they, I think Chris Costin paid for a cartoonist to put out a cartoon, of, and I use it occasionally because it's hilarious, uh, and how they're a transparent government, and, and they've got all the Marxist nine on there, and they aren't transparent one little bit. So the, the search terms were Tom Scott's, the email address was tcs907 at gmail.com. The search terms were the Blue Alaskan or the Anchorage Press. They included Casey Pick as a search term, and all of that has been kept secret. Well, let me tell you, they can either do this the easy way or they can do it the hard way. The hard way is going to go through Superior Court and then the Alaska Supreme Court, because this is definitely a public records kind of, you know, just access to it's a, it's a violation of the Public Records Act. 
And yeah. so they, they can either do it easy or hard. And, and what do they want to do? But we're going to get access to it. And John, um, we're, Must Read Alaska is going to set up a legal fund. And probably we'll do this on Tuesday, set up a legal fund to pay for the legal cost of getting this to court because this is ridiculous. These people are now acting in kind of just a, I want to say, you know, they're, they're, they're acting real gangsta is how they're acting. But um, the way that they have treated this is kind of interesting because they not only have locked down these documents, but they have now decided that their two hour executive session, that is also privileged forever. That, that, their discussion, even two years, five years, 10 years from now, can never be known by the public. Let me tell you, last week when they got in front of the public after their executive session, they came out, gaveled back in, and you, and Chris Constant could not move fast enough to call for the question. I mean, anytime that somebody said anything, he said, call a question. And so that he wanted to vote on it without discussion. And so they called for the question because the majority has, you know, they've, they've got the, the right to do that. They knew what they were doing and they had arrangements in advance. You could see Chris Constance sort of looking down at his phone. You could see uh, Felix Rivera typing to him. And all of a sudden, Chris Constance would call the question. These guys well, are in trouble. I'm telling you, they are acting in um, pretty big illegal fashion. Yeah, when we, uh, they, uh, this stuff must be getting underneath their skin a little bit because uh, you just posted a story about how LaFrance um, allegedly went up to the mayor's office and uh, for an issue and and uh, oh. cussed out the uh, new chief of staff for the mayor. And that is something that, uh, you know, is just not good behavior to have. And even if there's stuff like this, like Tom Scott's and records requests and things aren't going your way and the public doesn't see that the assembly is doing their job and you know, you're frustrated as an assembly person. The last thing you need to do is to go cuss out municipal employees that are just trying to do their jobs. It's a, yeah. It's well, very, let's tell our let's tell our let's tell our listeners kind of what we're talking about. So last week at the assembly meeting, they um, they confirmed the new police chief Michael Curl, and he is the new police chief after you know the last one, Ken McCoy, resigned after less than a year. So Ken McCoy, when he was made police chief, they brought him and his family up and they congratulated him and he got to say a few nice words and they took a picture and and all that. And then they had a party and they had another like ceremonial swearing in and they had a lot of sort of festivities all the way from April when he was first sworn in all the way into August. They were still having ceremonial swearing in ceremonies for Ken McCoy. So Chief Curl, they put him on the consent agenda they approve it. And the consent agenda is where you put all the junk, where the, it's not, it's just nothing important on the consent agenda. So it's just, just you approve it in bulk. They approve him and um, then they move on. He's, he's sitting there. He actually rises thinking, well, maybe they're going to ask me to come talk. And, and she just says, thank you, chief. You know, thanks for, for, thanks for being our chief. And then like, he's sitting there with his wife and she she'd been out of state and she flew in because of this being confirmed as a big deal. And I what an insult. They just leave them sitting there in the assembly and they don't bring them up to congratulate them or anything. So then I just, the mayor, you know, mayor Bronson, who 
you know, just says what's on his mind. So the next day he's swearing him in. They're swearing in the new uh, police chief, Carl. And during his remarks, the mayor says, you know, I'm really sorry that the, that the assembly treated you so poorly and didn't even give you a chance to speak yesterday because, you know, this uh, obviously the capstone of your career. You know, it's 27 years in the force and now you're the police chief. It's a big deal. And well, word got back to Suzanne LaFrance that the mayor had called her out on the insult that she had made during that meeting. And she stormed into the mayor's office, went into the chief of staff's office, reamed the chief of staff up one side down the other, dropped the F-bomb, and then stormed out. And uh, the new chief of staff had only been on the job for like a week. And she's just like treating her very politely because she is the chair of the assembly. But it is inappropriate, I think, for uh, somebody who is elected as a, a legislative body to go into the executive branch and to drop F-bombs on the employees of the municipality. It's not appropriate. Yeah, they need to grow up a little bit and, uh, and uh, you know, do business in a way that they would like business done towards them. And, and um, it's uh, a new low for them, uh, which we're seeing new lows seems like every week. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one thing I can tell you just from experience, when I was on chief of staff for the borough, we had an assembly member who was the, the chair, Kelly Cooper, and her and I would uh, you know, disagree on a paint color of what's on the wall. I would think it's white and she would say it's pink. And we pretty much didn't agree on anything. But one thing I could tell you is for all of our disagreements and pretty much every policy that she put forward, I didn't agree with. Whenever she would call the office or stop into the office, she was always respectful. Um, she drew the line in the sand of, of, of that. And I think it, it's possible to do that you can adamantly disagree with somebody until the wheels come off, but still show some respect when you have to interact with them. So LaFrance, I, I, you know, I would encourage you and I would charge you to think through what, you, you know, the position that you're in and people are watching and it's disrespectful and disgusting when behavior like that happens. Uh, you're a public servant. Um, you're not a God. So, yeah. Yeah. And I don't know, just um, just going in and, and abusing employees that you know, if you have a problem with the mayor, go talk to the mayor, send them a note, whatever. But don't go in and abuse employees. That's just not right. Yeah, it was, it was uh, not her not her finest moment. I will say that. Speaking of which, finest moment happened on Sunday with the truckers convoy. And I, I know you guys had some truckers convoy action down there on the Kenai, but the big action was here in South Central. We had a whole bunch of trucks coming down from the Matsu and they left at 1130 on Sunday and they, they came down here and they joined up with trucks at uh, Cabela's and there were probably well over a hundred trucks. And then there, oh, there were smaller trucks as well. And also some SUVs that were painted up with signs saying no, no, no mandates and things like that. Lots of flags, lots of Canadian flags. I didn't know we had so many Canadian flags in Alaska, but there were plenty of those Alaska flags, American flags. Uh, and they all got in a convoy. We all got in a convoy and rode up to the Lions Club in Eagle River. It was a really nice day for a drive. I mean, the, the conditions on the road were nice. They weren't too slick. The convoy was respectful. It, uh, it stayed to the right side of the road on the Seward Highway and out on the Glen Highway. We didn't run into any protesters or anything. I felt really lucky, John, because I got a chance to ride with um, Jimmy Johnson Enterprises in one of the, one of those rigs, nice. and 
with Jimmy Johnson himself, who's you know a, a longtime haul road driver, and he's now mainly hauling heavy equipment now. But um, listen to stories, listen to country music, do some live streaming on Facebook. We had a great drone operator, and oh by the way, got a um, something I didn't tell you, John, but I got a, a call from ABC News, and they're going to use our um, our drone uh, our drone footage on their coverage tonight. Nice, that's um, exciting. So yeah. Yeah, pretty fun. I told him, yeah, as long as you give us credit, use whatever you want. And um, and then get up to Eagle River. And it was really great to see uh, Dan Sullivan there. And of course, this whole thing was basically organized by Jamie Allard. And I think she might have, she's an assemblywoman here in Anchorage. I think she might have been a little nervous because the response was so much bigger than anybody ever thought. I mean, there people said they thought there were 400 people involved, but if there were like 100 vehicles and there were I don't know. There were more than two people per vehicle. I know that. So hundreds. Probably of close to a thousand people. It feels feels like it was more than like a thousand people. There were people on the overpasses waving, and it was a good time. People had a really good time, and they were just making a point that the, the Canadian truckers are right to demand respect, and that they shouldn't have to be forced to have a, a government injunction to keep a job. And that was really is the basis of their complaint. Government injections to keep jobs are probably not where we want to go in a free society, right? So, uh, so we had a great day. Um, for me, getting to drive in a truck is a big fun thing. It's like going to Disneyland. So, uh, especially if I don't have to take responsibility for the steering wheel. Um, we had a, a good time and it was really good to see Dan Sullivan there connecting with people. He spoke uh, to the people. Uh, Jamie Allard spoke. Uh, he did a great job explaining that the government mandates for these shots to keep a job are not right and that the Biden administration is on the wrong track. And of course, the Canadians um, are the Canadian truckers are on the right track. And he, he explained, he said, um, you know, I've had I've had the vaccine myself, but here's the here's the deal. I did it by choice. I did it by choice. And it ought to be by choice. And that's what I've always said. I've also had the vaccines because of my age and my health profile. I talked to a couple of my doctor friends who are real libertarian minded. And they said, you know, considering your age and considering your health profile, I think I'd probably go ahead and do it. So I was like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. But it was by choice. And that was the thing. And so he was great because he was talking to the truckers with the truckers. And he was connecting with them, hundreds of them. And they really appreciated him. Meanwhile, Back in Washington, D.C., the two who are running for office, John Young and Lisa Murkowski, were dumping on Alaskans and others who had gone to Washington, D.C. on the 6th of January last year because they were saying they were all you know, involved in criminal activity and they were separating themselves from the RNC, the, the Republican National Con Committee, which had voted in, in Salt Lake City on Friday to, um, you know, to, to condemn any action against lawful protest in the state, in the nation's capital. And remember, John, there were probably 100 or 200 people who acted unlawfully, maybe a few more, we don't know. Uh, but most of the people who went to Washington, D.C. acted lawfully on January 6, 2021. They were just there to hear the president speak, and they were there to protest the electoral college results, which they thought were flawed. But they did not break into the Capitol. Some of them walked in, ushered in by uh, Capitol Police. They didn't even know that there was a problem going in because the police were standing there saying, come on in. Um, but for our own delegation to dump on people like that and to throw everybody in the same category 
was a little bit weird, I thought. Like, what can you not just separate out the people who are lawful with the people who are unlawful? Because there weren't there weren't any Alaskans who well, I think there was maybe one Alaskan who, who did something unlawful. But it, it's just a very small fraction of the thousands of people who are in Washington, DC. Yeah, it was so, a uh, you know, it's a it's a very clear picture of the drastic contrast of Senator Murkowski and Senator Sullivan. Um, mm-hmm. You have Senator Sullivan literally at the trucker rally in Anchorage saying um, no vaccine mandates. He supports truckers. He supports um, the ability to assemble and protest. And Lisa Murkowski, big thing was to uh, release a bunch of promotional videos of her being endorsed by her Democratic senator. Yeah, and that, Joe Manchin. Yeah, that is the that is the contrast, people. You have a Dan Sullivan who's literally in the trenches uh, of the protests of the with the truckers, elbow to elbow. Mm-hmm. You know, high fiving people, congratulating people, thanking them for being there, and makes time for the folks that um, took time out of their day to do a protest for freedom. And Lisa Murkowski spent her time making videos with Democratic senators talking about how awesome she is. Yeah, yeah, not cool. Not, not really cool. Well, gosh, I can't believe that our half hour is up, John. This is just, um, I'm sorry, and I probably kind of hogged the, hogged the mic here today, but I, I really appreciate um, you and your perspective on this. And I, uh, we're going to write some stories about this. I'll, you'll see a story on Mustard Alaska later today about the, the, this contrast between the two, you know, Senator Sullivan in the trenches with the people and supporting their right to protest where you have, um, obviously Lisa Murkowski has probably done some polling. She probably knows where she needs to be, but she's got Joe Manchin's support. And that's a, that's a fascinating, she's starting to separate herself from the Republican party, which is probably appropriate since they've asked her to leave and they've asked her to not run as a Republican. And maybe this is her first steps toward that. Who knows? She doesn't have to file um, in, officially until June 1. So maybe she's starting to break away from the Republican Party. That's what we're seeing today. So everybody, if you're a supporter of Must Read Alaska, really appreciate it. You know, this is the end of our show today. But if you go to the website, we've remodeled it. We're in the middle of sort of you know, just finessing some a few things on there, but it's looking pretty good. We're happy with the way it looks. And I think you will be too. So go to mustreadalaska.com on the right-hand side. If you kind of search around, you're still going to find that donate button. And we really, really appreciate your support. It allows us to pay for all the services that re- that are required to keep the website up, the podcast up, our Facebook page, and all these back-end services that we have to pay for. So thanks a lot for helping keep the lights on here at Must Read Alaska. Until next week, we're signing off somewhere in Alaska. <laughs>